Welcome to the RFL Miss Unlicensed Podcast. I'm Caleb Nauer, and this is Tassos Aliexu. What's going on, man? Hey, what's going on, Caleb? How are you doing today, man? Doing good, man. Doing good. So we're excited for this week's podcast. We have another special guest. This is Dustin Stock from Mimosa Network. So we're going to have a really good conversation with him. Looking forward to it for sure. Absolutely. I'm kind of excited. I've been wanting to get Dustin uh, on our podcast for some time. So I'm glad he finally took the time out and uh, joined us here today. For sure. For sure. So before we get into that real quick, give the good people their call to action. Absolutely. Don't forget to like, listen, or subscribe to our channel right here on YouTube or anywhere else you download your audio podcast like Google, Apple, or Spotify. Very good, very good. Well, let's go ahead and get started with this interview and roll with it. Absolutely. Let's bring them on. Dustin, what's going on, man? Glad to see you here. Glad you took the time to talk to us. We're super excited to talk to you. Well, I'm super excited to talk to you guys again, too. It's always great to hang out with the, the great Tassos and Caleb, the, the meat smokers. <laughs> Wouldn't oversell it too much at this point. We'll see how things go. So. <laughs> But uh, real quick, for those of you who in the listening that don't know who you are, uh, Dustin, if you could give just kind of a quick introduction, talk a little bit about your role at Mimosa, what do you do there, and kind of how you ended up here. You know, you've been in the industry a long time, as we all have. So just let the let the good people know where you are, where you're coming from, and we'll roll from there. Sure. So I'm uh, coming up on my five-year anniversary at Mimosa, coming up uh, January 1st of uh, this coming year, which is, hooray, five years. You know, lots of people don't stick around more than a few years at a job, but... Here right I am. True. Yeah, that's a that's a good landmark. <laughs> yeah, you've made it. You made it. All right, well, I guess I better find a new job then, guys. <laughs> Bye. That's a, is that the aluminum anniversary? I believe so. Uh, copper, yeah. copper, copper, copper. Oh, okay. Well, copper's worth a lot right now. So true. <laughs> uh, well, anyway, um, you know, I started here five years ago as the uh, field operations manager. Basically, uh, was managing the the alpha network we had, which we deployed all of our products out in a real world environment where we could actually test our firmware and our hardware before we even went to beta. So we had about, I don't know, 45 to 50 customers on that, that got free internet service for at least five years. They, they were having it, you know, a couple of years before I came here. Um, unfortunately, we don't have the alpha network anymore. Um, during COVID times, you know, with the equipment shortage, <clears throat> the equipment shortages, which I'm sure you guys are, are both well aware, you know, we went ahead and closed that down, which was very sad for, for me and for our customers. Um, other than the Alpha Network, I have been in charge of Mimosa support for several years now. Um, I handed that over to my colleague, Jeff Jones, which if you've seen any of my podcasts, uh, he's been on there uh, several times. And I'm now quote unquote, a Mimosa product specialist. So I take care of all of the, the high uh, level customers, all the, the big, big guys that have any kind of Mimosa problems or questions. I, I handle all that here, um, including, but not limited to rise broadband. I'm sure you guys are familiar with those guys Yep, being one of the biggest wisps in the U S and maybe even the world, uh, along with other large customers that, you know, we have across the world. So um, how I got to Mimosa, uh, we were actually beta testing uh, B5Cs at my last company, which I spent six years at, uh, Aristotle, which was my first professional job. Um, I graduated college with a, a, an associate's in networking, and 
only have barely used it. You know, lots of people who graduate school barely ever end up using their degrees anyway. It's yeah, just a piece of paper to, to show you are willing to do work, I guess. <laughs> no, a really expensive piece of paper. Yeah, it yeah. can be. Yeah, <laughs> for sure. Yeah. But <laughs> got one of know, those too. Yeah. <laughs> but because I had a prior experience with uh, construction type work, I got her- hired at Aristotle as an installer and uh, quickly moved up the ranks there to head of wireless department after a few years. Fancy. So I, I learned a, a ton of stuff just in the first month of working there about wireless that I'd never even would have imagined before. And so I ended up managing the whole network, bringing in a, a bunch of new towns who converted all from, you know, a really terrible CenturyLink or, you know, Windstream services over to wireless services, just because it was cheaper and way more reliable than the, the dial-up speeds they were getting. Uh, like CenturyLink was charging people 50 bucks a month for, like a half a mega service, which, wow. you know, out in the middle of nowhere, I guess you can get away with, but you really can't get away with that kind of stuff anymore. Well, you sort of, you sort of can. I, out at my ranch, I, uh, I had a like three meg connection for like $90 a month or something like that. So, <laughs> I mean, mark the market bears, I guess the price, right? I suppose, but you know, there's more and more people becoming wisps every day. So definitely, thank God there's more options, you know, starting to show up for, for those rural people who don't really have anything else besides the really terrible wireline service. Yep. But anyway, uh, you know, too many tangents, but we were beta testing B5C and the, the head of the support team, Chris Trout, back in the day came out and he came out several times because we were having issues with Mimosa B5Cs, which funny story ended up being my fault, but we won't, <laughs> we won't go into that. Um, but he came out, he watched me climb towers and, and work on the equipment. And he's like, you know, we could use somebody like you to come out and manage our alpha network. And I'm like, well, you know, this is the huge opportunity, but it's also kind of scary to move all the way across the U S from, from Arkansas to California, which is, as I'm sure you're aware, a, a way different environment than the Midwest. Culture shock? A little culture yeah. shock for you? A little bit. Slightly, I kind of slightly. I can imagine that. <laughs> but it's it's way different over here, and it's really really expensive. You know, yeah. the apartment I have one bed, no two bedroom apartment, nine hundred square feet is twenty six hundred dollars a month. <laughs> so, <laughs> rewind. Let's let's play that one again. What? <laughs> I think we missed that. Say it again. How much? Only only twenty six hundred dollars a month for a nine hundred square foot apartment. Wow, that's crazy. Where before I moved here, I had a, a three bedroom house. You know, thirteen fourteen hundred square feet for one hundred ten thousand dollars total. Yeah, yeah, crazy. Huge difference. I, I'm know, actually I on the be- opposite. I'm on the opposite spectrum. I moved from New Jersey to like Rio Rancho, New Mexico. So I had the opposite culture shock. <laughs> yeah, you know, I might make more money here, but it certainly doesn't feel like it. Right. But unfortunately, you know, our offices here, I can't really move anywhere where it's cheaper. But as soon as I get the opportunity, I'll be, you know, moving somewhere where I can actually afford to own a home again. Right on. But. He brought me out here um, and the rest of the story, you know, you know, I've started at the, you know, managing the alpha network and have moved up from there. So now here we are today, 
five years later. So Dustin, you know, a lot of people out there listening are very familiar with the Mimosa Networks, obviously, primarily from the WIF side of things. But you guys serve a lot of different international markets. You serve a lot of markets that aren't necessarily WIFs, you know, the electric co-ops and stuff like that. So kind of give us a, a another view or some different types of networks and stuff that you guys are seeing. I think folks would find interesting to talk about. So before uh, Airspan came in and bought us out, which happened back in uh, October, November of 2018, so it's been in several years now, we were breaking into um, larger rural telcos uh, market, and we were breaking into the um, electric co-op markets. So with the rural telcos, you know, they don't have a lot of customers out there, and it's very quiet spectrum. So, you know, putting up Mimosa equipment, shooting 10 miles, uh, the customer side, you know, they have two foot dishes, and they're getting 300 meg, 200 meg down. So, they were really blown away by that. And they're all real tight knit groups. So, you know, when we successfully deployed the first one, all the others heard about it. And so they started bringing us in and um, a guy that um, just left here, his name's Varden Amiri and myself, we would actually go out on trials and, you know, deploy the product for them. Like I'd actually climb towers and help them deploy the stuff and we'd configure it and set it up and show them that it worked good. And so they've been continuously buying stuff ever since. As for electric co-ops, a lot of the times they're going pole to pole, so they don't need five gigs. So we've been using our, our B24 product for that because they're short hops. You know, the B24 is, is good up to around two miles, depending on what your rain fade zone is. Here in California, you could do two miles, or in Arizona, you could do two miles. You know, in Texas or, you know, North Carolina, you know, you can't really go more than three quarters of a mile to a mile, depending on how much rain you get, which you guys get a lot more than us, especially now, you know, we're in a <laughs> yeah. huge drought, drought here. Yeah. So, um, you know, I haven't seen really any rain since I moved here. You know, we brought tons of rain to, you know, California when I moved from Arkansas. <laughs> I haven't really seen that kind of rain since, but it rained its ass off that year. Wow. It was, they, they were like, wow, we haven't seen this much rain in forever, but I haven't seen that much rain since then. So. And then it goes five years without raining again. So that's the way it goes. Yeah. So, um, yeah. So they deploy the B24s. There, there's no real interference in 24 gig. The beam, the beam width is so narrow that you really can't pick up a lot of any other 24 gig in the area because it's all pencil beam focused down to the other end. Um, you know, co-locating with Air Fiber 24s has been kind of a pain because they kind of step on our, our spectrum and they're, they're higher power because they have the larger dish on the bottom. But other than that, it's been pretty successful and, you know, people have been buying them up, especially uh, in other countries. And that's where the airspan part comes in. You know, they've really helped us get into markets. They were already in like in um, Asia and Africa and India um, our C5X product, which is really cheap, but also delivers, you know, quite a bit of throughput has been uh, instrumental for several LTE companies to, you know, backhaul their ENOBs and their, their small cells. And it's really taking off over in the Asian and African and Indian markets where they're buying just thousands and thousands of radios as backhauls for, for their small cells. 
That's cool. Yeah, that's one of the things I was going to ask about was the Airspan acquisition. You know, you're a couple of years deep into this now. I wanted to ask a little bit about you know what has it meant for you and where has it helped? I mean, obviously getting into these new international markets, those are those are tough nuts to crack, and, and we're familiar with that for sure. So, right. you know, I'm sure them them already having a foot in the door really could help uh, get that portfolio boasted up over there. And we see a lot of we see a lot of mimosa stuff uh, in a lot of different regions where we're working as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we we've got mimosa products in over 150 countries uh, around the world. Oh wow! And that was b- before the Airspan acquisition, but you know it wasn't big markets. You know that people would buy them here and there. You know try them out or you know deploy small networks. Um, with Airspan, they've been around for over 20 years now, and you know they they've been a big name. They're not as big as you know say Ericsson or, or Nokia, but there's still a lot of people out there who know who Airspan is, and you know, that it helped bring us in because, you know, we were trying to get some of these, these customers in, but they only knew us as Mimosa and Mimosa hadn't been around, you know, very long. We've only been around since like 2012, 2013, right. but because Airspan was already in the door there, it was uh, just an easy way to just bring on in basically another set of their products because now they own us. But you asked what Airspan has really changed for us at Mimosa. Um, Mimosa is still Mimosa, you know, Airspan kind of stays out of, of what we do. We do our own thing, but, you know, sometimes they push us for, for features that they need for their customers, which has really made us, uh, you know, and our products better, but, you know, they, they let us do our own thing. They don't really get involved too much. So we're, we're basically separate companies just under the same name. Okay. Well, it's cool. It definitely helps that, you know, they, they're there to be helpful and not necessarily poking their fingers and everything, which is, you know, there's always the fear and especially in our industry, (laughs) when you see these mergers and stuff like that, you never really know how it's going to go, but it seems like it's working out really well for you. Yeah. It was definitely one of my question marks too. You know, when, when that merger happened, it's like, well, what's going to happen to Mimosa and how is this all going to play out in the market? So it's good to know that you guys still have kind of free reign to, to develop and do whatever it is you guys want to do for the most part, maybe with more resources now too, which that's kind of cool, I guess. Right. Yeah. We were, we were all thinking the same thing. What's going to happen to us? And, you know, this being my first corporate merger, I'm like, Oh, what the heck's going to happen to us? You know? And we, we all found out at Wisp of Palooza 2018. So we're there in Wisp of, in Vegas going, what the hell's going on? You know, our customers know what's going on before we do. We're like, Holy crap. Yeah. Yeah. I talked to you. I remember talking to you like right after the announcement. I'm like, hey, man, that's exciting, right? And you're like, I don't know what's going to happen. (laughs) Well, you know, you've heard heard horror stories of where, you know, somebody comes in, acquires you, and then fires everyone and then bring bring their own people. So we had no idea what to expect. So yeah, you you and I had that same conversation too. As he was dropping business cards everywhere. But uh, no, no, no. (laughs) Just in case. Just in case. Just in case. Here's my cell phone number. (laughs) <laughs> no, but no, that's awesome that it's worked out. You've been able to do what you've been doing there, which is great. So, right. So, from more of a not generic perspective, but more of a sort of open ended perspective, you know, you've been in the industry a long time, you've seen a lot, uh, you get a, a different view than a lot of people do working as a manufacturer and seeing a lot of different networks and a lot of different aspects of the industry. So, I thought what we could do is talk a little bit about, you know, what, where do you see the state of the industry, you know, how things have progressed through like COVID, for instance, you know, from what's your perspective of that? What are some of the cool stuff that's coming out across the industry? 
history, where things are going and stuff like that. So I thought we'd just have a little chat about that, you know, as we, we talk to various guests. So I guess the first thing would be, you know, how did, how did Mimosa get through the, the COVID part, not only from an internal perspective, you know, and, and working and operating and stuff, but then the, the massive boom that happened from an equipment perspective. Well, the good thing is, is our, our ops team, uh, you know, prepare for the worst. So we had a huge backlog of, log of products that were built already. And for the first half of COVID, we were good. You know, our sales skyrocketed. You know, we were selling products. Products were moving, just moving out the door like crazy. Um, you know, now that we're through that backlog, we're kind of caught up with everyone else where we're, we're kind of, you know, been hamstrung by the shortages, which yep. I'm sure that you guys have had issues with that too. I've seen on Facebook where people are like, when can I get my... My rocket, di- I mean, not my rocket dish, we're not ubiquity here. Hit my um, <laughs> when can I get my twist port dish? And, or when can I get my horn? You know, but, you know, we're, we're kind of in the same, you know, we're, we're, we have equipment, it's coming, it's just slow going. And um, COVID really uh, hamstrung the, the AX development because of the chip shortages uh, around the world. And, you know, we're not a GE or, any of the big car dealers or anything like that, you know, they get first dibs on chips because they've got huge volume. We don't have nearly the volume like that. So exactly. exactly. It's really slowed us down. We were really planning on getting the AAX out the door, you know, right after COVID hit, you know, that was our initial plan. And you can see it's, you know, just now coming to real fruition. So it's really, really killed us on, on the development front. So luckily for us, you know, we were kind of prepared with current, equipment and had stock of it but for development wise it's really kind of you know beat the hell out of us yeah and and i don't i don't think you know a lot of people actually realize the scale like you said you know you're not a gm or whatever in these bigger companies and and typically when they you know when in the wisp market they look at manufacturers like yourself or let's say rf elements or whatever you know they they think that the, the big gorillas are like the cambiums and the ubiquity because they are from market cap and stuff like that but really even they are nobody's let's say compared to the apples and you know the amazons and the other real big players out there who get priority for not only the you know the the chips that they need but also the time at the contract manufacturers to run the product out right so there's really huge gaps between you know where we are where people perceive the the biggest people are and where the real monsters of the industry are uh, in comparison to everything. So it's huge, huge difference. Uh, yeah. A few weeks ago, my hardware guys are telling me, you know, there's a, a chip that we normally get that's less than $2 a chip. You know, it's, it's kind of expensive for, you know, mass, but these people that are wanting this, that have the chip have marked it up to $200 per chip. <laughs> yeah. Like it's you crazy. Can't afford that. You, you can't, you can't even attempt to do that because if you you did buy something like that, your equipment cost would go through the roof. People wouldn't be able to, wouldn't pay for it anyway. It's not yeah. like, you know, you know our our equipment is, you know, affordable equipment. You know, it's yeah, uh, it's more expensive than Ubiquity, of course. But you yeah. know, we try to deliver great performance. But if we start buying two hundred dollar chips, that's going to push us to cambium prices at that point. Yeah, and and and, and also. <clears throat> Like even for us, you know, we have our, you know, starter horn now our starter series of antennas, which are again, a more economical, you know, high value, but lower cost, 
you know, alternative for some of these, you know, price pressured markets and stuff like that. And even the price of paper, we actually had to start printing the instruction manual on the box itself because they wanted to charge us like $3 for a little paper pamphlet, you know, with the actual instructions. So, I mean, you know, $3 doesn't seem like a lot, but when, you know, it's a $30 product or something like that, that's 10%, right? It's a huge increase in cost and makes it uh, right. very difficult. So, yeah, I can only imagine on the component side for, you know, chips and stuff like that. Yeah, the prices can really go through the roof, make big differences. Right. Crazy. Yeah, I think it think you guys are, are similar to us. You, you know, you have affordable products. They're not cheaply made or, or super we, cheap. Products, we don't but, use the word cheap. Exactly. Yeah. But you're, you're in the mid range. Like we are, we, we try to sell quality products for an affordable price, not cheap, but affordable because you can't afford to sell them cheaply because then you're not making any money. But Correct. yeah, it's really, it's really hurt everyone. Like, you know, you go on Facebook every day on Wisp Talk or any of the others. You're like, I still can't get my ubiquity equipment. You know, who knows what, what's up with their their logistics, but you know, I'm, I'm sure everyone is in a similar situation where it's either stuck in LA, you know, on a boat or it's still stuck in China, mm -hmm. which, you know, lucky for us, we got our stuff out of China right when Trump was threatening tariffs. So we right. moved to Malaysia. So we didn't have the, hmm. the China problem anymore, but a lot of the parts still come from China. Yeah. So, you know, everybody's still affected because Silicon is, is basically in China. Yep. And it's the unfortunate truth of things is, you know, we still rely on them heavily for any of our electronic stuff, even if it says made in Taiwan or, or made in, you know, Malaysia or wherever, made in India, wherever you're, you're getting it made, a lot of the silicon is still coming from China. Absolutely. Yep. And what about y'all's parts? Do they come from China too? Yeah, they, they still do, right? So, we, I mean, we are shifting ourselves as well. We're doing now a lot of the uh, quality control assembly and stuff in Europe. So we're trying to bring it back as well to a place that's... Uh, you know, we have more control over, obviously, um, as well as trying to source some of the parts right from within Europe. But yeah, a major majority of the stuff still comes from China. So we're still, you know, hamstrung to, uh, you know, the delays that we have there. There are some benefits because a lot of the stuff from China actually can come by train. Uh, so it doesn't necessarily have to get on a boat to get to us in Europe before coming here. But in the end, I mean, it's, it's, it's such a big vacuum there with delays and sourcing and logistics that it all trickles down, right? I mean, if you don't have enough containers in China and that stuff's not moving to Europe, then you don't have the empty containers to now reuse and ship them to the US or wherever else you may be shipping it. So it all, it all rolls downhill uh, in the end, <laughs> but yeah. But we're, we're definitely looking at uh, our options and trying to, you know, again, pivot so that way we can avoid this in the future and uh, have more control over everything, not just the product, but the quality of the product and everything else as well, so. So you guys asked, you know, what what cool stuff do we have coming? So, you know, in, in Vegas, we announced our, our AX product line, the, the A6 and the C6X. Mm -hmm. And you know, we've got some A6s here in the office. You know, we're we're still working on refining the, the software and everything. But a lot of the A6, you know, like I mentioned, had been delayed by COVID. So it's, you know, it's really chip shortages, but you know, we're still, it looks like we're still on track to, to start pushing those out the door in, in Q2 of this year. Um, the un unfortunate thing for you guys, of course, is that this is an integrated uh, solution. There's no connector ports. I know you're you're sad about that, but yes. I promise that I've been pushing for a connectorized version, and I have been for well quite a long time now. Because there are tons and tons of people out there who are going to want to continue to use, you know, your horn products or you know other people's uh, antennas or, and whatnot. So 
um, I've been told that there's a connectorized version coming. Cool. Very cool. Sometime after the summer. Awesome. But of course, um, you know, we have a, a track record of saying something and it coming like many, many months later. <laughs> so I would expect to see that maybe around this time next year instead of after summer. I guess that's still technically after summer anyway, but you know, they're saying Q- Q3. I, I'm thinking more of maybe the end of Q4, but you know, I'm on the same page as you, uh, as the, you know, the end user. Cause I used to be an end user. I know that we want connectorized products, so it's coming and, you know, I've made sure it's coming. Um, awesome. the AX has backwards compatibility with the AC product line, which is, you know, the C5C, C5X. Mm-hmm. So you don't have to forklift, forklift upgrade your network all at one time, put an AP up and then you can slowly switch out to AX clients as you feel like you need to. Nice. And I think the, those of you know folks that are not really familiar with the AX core tech, you know, what do you think is, or what would you say is the most, you know, biggest benefit of that? You know, would it be the scheduler or you know the timing improvements and stuff? You know, everyone they're like, oh, what, this AX stuff's really cool, but what is it really doing for us in the end? So I, I think the the main couple of things we should highlight about AX, at least with our product line, is 160 megahertz channels, which you know is a huge amount of spectrum that's going to be you know, taking up a lot of space in, in five gig and the two megahertz increments for noise uh, mitigation. So our product is going to be looking at two megahertz chunks when it's transmitting instead of 20, 40 or 80 megahertz chunks when it's transmitting. And this is the, the real way that we're going to be able to avoid and, and mitigate interference out there. Because as you know, five gigahertz is pretty much trashed at this point and bringing in something that's using up a you know, 160 megahertz of spectrum is, is going to trash it even more. But with that 160 megahertz of spectrum, we also have six gig coming down the line. And, you know, there's already people getting experimental licenses for six gig with Mimosa products now with the A5C. And, they're, and the FCC is letting them have the whole thing. They're letting them go from 5.9 to 6.4. And I've not had a single person yet be told you can't do this which is really weird because, you know, there's licensed six gigahertz links out there. Uh, lots of them, you know, at yeah. least around here in California. And I'm sure in any urban area, there's probably a lot of six gig links, but you know, they're basically just giving them out like candy wow. for like, I think <laughs> 75, 75 bucks for, for two to three years. So um, while they're working on their AFC um, coordination system and finishing up the rules, they're, they're just giving these out. So people who apply for it can go ahead and use six gig, but you know, mostly six gig is clean pretty much everywhere, um, at least in the rural areas. And so you can light this up and go 160 megahertz and, you know, pump out, um, lots and lots of throughput. And, and this radio is supposed to go up to seven gig aggregate. And I I've seen it already with uh, two by my mode, you know, pushing out over two gig per client, which is pretty awesome. And, and it yeah. will have up to four. X MIMO when it's it's done. Is that at so, 4096 Quam? Yeah. Like I said before earlier in the show, we're we're still working on software, but with the the hardware um being you know hamstrung by COVID, you know, it gives us plenty of time to to get the, the software ready to roll. It's not like that the software team is being, you know, rushed to get something out the door because we're just kind of waiting around for the silicon to get here at this point. But um so yeah, six gig is really going to be the game changer and then once the six gig rules are out then seven gig will be available too because it's going to go up to what Mm -hmm. Mm 7.1 7.2 it's going to go up pretty high so you're going to have lots of spectrum there so our first radio will go to six four 
our first gen. And then once seven gig is situated, we'll have a second gen radio that will go up to seven gig. So you'll have a whole slew of spectrum there that you can just chew up and, you know, keep for yourself until other people have radios that are capable of doing that. So, you know, I I can say this now, but who knows, but right now we're going to be the first to market with a a six gig radio because it actually exists and, and operates. Whereas other vendors have only got it in a PowerPoint or in their slide deck and they're just talking about it. So, you know, fingers crossed, we get that out and people are able to start picking that up, you know, before the end of the year. Yeah, definitely. That's something we're waiting for as well, right? For kind of that whole six gig, uh, you know, spec to be ratified and know where it's going because that affects us as well, right? I mean, you know, our horns, it's easier to go up higher in frequency in a horn because the, you know, the... Uh, wavelength gets smaller so it still fits you can't go the opposite way with a horn it's kind of a hard stop at a particular frequency but in the end in order to have a really good performing antenna the antenna has to really specifically be made for that specific range right and most of our antennas on the symmetrical side go up to 6.4 already so yeah there's definitely going to be an alternate horn offered for six gig after the fact right so we're 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 really interested to see where it goes so we know what to do as well so but the designs at least are done for pretty much wherever it goes it's just a matter of what do we start manufacturing on so so we're ready for so, that as well you know we're, we're talking about your horn product and you guys are looking at six gig but what about your rest of the world markets you know where there aren't really any rules are you guys don't already have antennas that support those markets as well? Or is the U.S. really your, your main focus on that? Yeah, the, the U.S. is definitely the, the main focus for RF elements. But yeah, I mean, we are looking at the rest of the world. And again, it really, whatever happens here is probably what will we'll feed uh, those those other markets. So Right. Because I, I know that we get requests almost daily from, from folks that you know, live in what we call the wild west of spectrum, you know, they don't have any rules. They can use whatever they want. Exactly. Going, Hey, we want to use your six gig spectrum already. Or, Hey, can we use your, your four or five spectrum on C5C already? You know, that kind of stuff. Yeah. And, you know, since they don't have rules, we say, if you want, I guess, but you have to make sure you have an antenna that works in that spectrum too. And it's hard for them to find antennas that actually are spec'd for, you know, six, four or four or five, which, um, like I said, the C5C can do that, but not many people are able to to do that because there are no antennas at that you know that low of frequency. Right, right. There's not a lot of radios that do that as well, too. Exactly. So, That's you know, true. There's not a lot of two gig wideband radio options that are available, and then you end up with, from a design perspective, it, it gets to be real, real, real sketch. So you know yeah. the the six gig push, too many skews, too many things. Because then, like, because we'd have to retune everything to go any lower than where we are now. So. Mm-hmm. But um, yeah, the the six K push. As long as the FCC will finally get this AFC thing written off, which we've been waiting on what two years now. So soon, forever, <laughs> soon, soon, right? Yeah, see your sticker on your your mic there. Soon, yeah. exactly, exactly. So no, I think the the pushing of that, and and we push people. We're like, look, guys, we're gonna have a lot of spectrum available, but you still have to use it because if you just trash it out like everywhere else, we're gonna be in the same situation we are with five gig soon as well so be good stewards um if we see any six gig omni sticking up there we're gonna start karate chopping them down like just i now. saw one just, i saw one. Uh oh no in your house no, no no on facebook i saw a post and i was just like ah. well that's the scary sort of thing is we're gonna see a lot of these sort of uh dubious manufacturers or chinese manufacturers and stuff you know hitting the market with a bunch of six gig omnis and six gig just sloppy sectors and stuff like that and it's 
it's not going to go well. So be good stewards. You're, you're giving them probably the biggest gift that the wisp industry has seen in a very long time with this extra frequency, but you've got to be good stewards or you'll end up just shooting yourself in the foot for sure. Yep. Uh, you guys are familiar with the A5, which is the Omni antenna yeah. that we have. The 360, yeah. People are already asking for one for six gig, and we're like, mm, no. <laughs> are you going to do AX Omni? No. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we're going to get some 4096 on a trashed out band uh, <laughs> with with an Omni antenna. Like, yeah, there's just a lot of misconceptions. This is a lot of why we sort of harp on the same message a lot. You yeah. Know? yeah. You know, the spec sheet looks great, but you have to design these things with sound RF fundamentals, or you're never going to get the performance that the sheets say they're going to. Exactly. Right. Exactly. Yep. Well, cool. And then I guess, you know, challenges and opportunities going forward, you know, where do you see the biggest challenges sort of beyond COVID and the, the, the chipset issues and stuff? I mean, that's the, one of the biggest bummers about this whole chip thing is obviously the supply, but the fact that it's put development on hold for so long, because you can't really stabilize a design because you don't know if a particular chip is going to be available now, or if it's going to be two or three years to wait. So there's so many pivots in terms of designs. I've got friends in the industry that are dealing with a lot of they're like yeah we're on iteration like 12 of this platform before we can ship it because you know manufacturers of these random ics are just dropping offline so it's been it's been painful but there's a lot of opportunities as well so between ax between the six gig stuff i mean there's so much to look forward to coming up indeed and i think uh, fiber is becoming a, a big big proponent of even the wireless industry you know people are starting to use fiber and then last mile they're doing you know wireless backhaul or access point and i think that our product will will mesh very well with fiber because you know we're we have 10 gig fiber ports on our product and we're able to push out 7 gig aggregate on the the ax product and we're we'll have a backhaul that will be ax as well you know on down the way so i think fiber is going to be everyone's best friend you know people are scared of fiber there's lots of folks out there who don't want to touch fiber but ultimately that's that's where the market is heading so um you know couple your your network fiber plus you know last mile wireless and i think it'll be good to go yeah we've talked about that uh, multiple times on uh, this podcast specifically about that hybrid model and trying to get the word out there and you know uh, kind of demystify you know some of the misconceptions of fiber and how it's used and you know to look at it more as a friend than a foe right so you know we we talk about you know you know making lemonade out of the lemons right so i mean really wisps need to start looking into this as a, a viable option for their for their you know wisp to grow and to to utilize it because again in the end like you said you know you have to deliver uh you know more bandwidth now with every access point now having you know much higher aggregate throughputs per ap and when you have multiple of those ap's again you know a 5 or 2 or even 10 gig wireless backhaul is not going to be sufficient uh you know when you can have an aggregate throughput of your tower of 20 gig right what are you going to do right so yeah at some point fiber is going to be a very important part of uh, what wisps need in order to continue in this market like i'm, I'm not saying you have to use fiber but if you're using ethernet cable up a tower that's going to be your bottleneck and sure you're really you're tr really trying to future proof your network and yep. and to do that fiber is really the only way you can go about doing that at this point definitely for sure, for sure. Well, Dustin, that's all the questions I had on my list. Um, tell the good people out there, if they want to talk to you, where can they find you? How can they communicate with you? Well, um, 
you know, you can find me on our own Mimosa Networks YouTube page where I do my own podcasts, which you're more than welcome to go watch at any time, uh, customers of RF Elements. I think we've even mentioned RF Elements uh, several times, and I've even snuck in some product placement of <laughs> RF Elements uh, a few times myself. <laughs> um, you can also email me at dstock at airspan.com. You know, that's my, uh, my email address that I use for anything business. So dstock at airspan.com. And otherwise, you can reach me on Facebook where these guys talk to me all the time. I've got, you know, customers who contact me on Facebook all the time. It might be my personal page, but, you know, it's basically my work page as well. So, you know, feel free to, to stop in there as well if you don't want to email and just drop a quick line. But before we go, I have a question for you guys. Oh, yeah. Oh, no, reversing not- the roles. Oh, I wasn't expecting this. <laughs> <laughs> Let's go. I'm ready. <laughs> When are we going to have a podcast of you two having a, a food cook-off? Ah, we've been talking about that. We've been talking about that. Even uh, potentially like taking the podcast on the road, right? Something like RFE and barbecue on the road or something like that. So I don't know. I don't know. We, we, we've talked about it. It's it's in the works or it's in the planning, I should say, the planning stage. So thanks for ruining that have- now for all our viewers. Oh, for the surprise. Sorry. No, kidding. But- <laughs> You, you both have the most amazing looking smoked meats and other creations, you know, your breads and everything else. And I'm like, man, I sure wish I lived closer to one of those guys because then I would be fucking huge. And I, would, I would be really huge. You can take and, my weight. I'll give you some of mine. I'm sure Caleb would not mind giving you some of his as yeah, well. Exactly. So. You guys cook such delicious looking food. Uh, you know, it's not surprising that you guys are um, healthy. Yeah. So, yeah. you know, it's just, it would be cool to, to watch you guys have some kind of cook-off against each other and then have judges go, hmm, this one's better. Or, hmm, we, we, one's we, better. we don't want that. We'd rather just cook together. Oh, We'd rather just cook. <laughs> Plus, the, the Elements Food Wars. Yeah, the the food love- war on Facebook is just kind of fun, back and forth banter, you know? So we, we actually work really well with e- each other and share recipes and techniques and stuff like that all the time behind the scenes. It's It looks different on social media, and it's meant to. It's kind of fun, you know? But, uh, yeah, in the end, I don't know. I don't know about a cook-off. I don't know. We'll see. Maybe. Well, Caleb, I think you're a perfect fit at RF Elements. You, you and Tasha, you know, y'all, y'all are like brothers. I'm like, y'all, y'all really work well together. You really fit. Awesome. Yeah. Uh, your personalities on the show, you know, real mesh. So I think y'all are perfect. Thanks. Thanks, thanks for sure. So, oh man, yeah, barbecue, mm, food. Mm, yeah, I'm so, thinking about sorry, the weekend. I haven't eaten. Yeah, I am too, and I'm like, hadn't eaten lunch yet, so I'm like, mm. but yeah, we were. I was doing something this weekend. I was experimenting with something, and it was late, and we got done eating. My wife and I are laying on the sofa, just bloated, and we're like, man, that was amazing, but we can't keep doing this. Like, yeah. <laughs> it's time to pump the brakes a little bit. But well, uh, we may do some sort of dueling banjo sort of thing one of these days. We'll see. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> all right cool. well cool so that's it for me tassos you got anything else for dustin no that's it man thanks for uh joining us we appreciate it hopefully we'll have you back on the show sometime as well and uh, for anybody out there who's watching again we'd love to see you on our show as well so feel free to drop us a line on social media or directly however uh you want to get in contact with us and and uh, give us your feedback. And again, like I said, maybe join us on the show. All right. Well, I appreciate you guys having me in. And I, I hope to be back again soon. All right, everybody. Until next time, y'all be good. Yep. See ya. See ya.